Hello and welcome to Coffee Talk with Billy. Today's guest is Patrick. Um, Patrick just so happens to be my father. How we doing today, Patrick? Very good, Billy. We're going to call you Pat because Patrick just doesn't sound right. All right, so some of the topics we have today are like why you joined the Navy, uh, working as a federal prison guard, um, just... Maybe you could throw in some life experience stories you have for us. Um, the climate of the country. So let's hop into it. And I'm going to ask you straight off. Why did you join the Navy? Well, several reasons. I was brought up in an era where you uh, actually did some kind of military experience. And uh, my father was... Uh, merchant Marine during World War II and my brother was in the submarine service during the Vietnam era. Okay, let me pause you real quick. What is a Merchant Marine for people that don't know? Because everybody knows what a submarine is. A Merchant Marine is. is somebody that goes to sea for money. He, so, uh, so he gets paid very well to uh, get merchandise from point A to point B. Okay. Continuing on, uh, I joined the Navy in uh, 1977. Uh, I also graduated in 1977. I graduated in June and went in the Navy in September. I did my uh, four years active. Uh, I was on a guided missile destroyer. I was uh, stationed at uh, BCT Groton, Connecticut. I did my A school at San Diego, California. And I wouldn't trade one minute of it for anything. So you did, if I remember correctly, you did, well, I don't remember that you're doing the four years, but then you did your reserves in Oceana, not Oceana, uh, Avoca. And how long did you do that for? I did that for 16 and a half years. I uh, was stationed at Avoca, and we were based out of Weapon Station Earl, which is in New Jersey. And uh, I uh, got to go to a lot of different places. All right, well, thank you for your service. Um, why did you not do 20 years of active military service. I don't know, looking back at it, I wonder why, but at the time, I guess I was just impatient and uh, I wanted, I don't know if I wanted more or what, but I just wanted something different. And at the end of four years, I asked them if they were gonna pay me to stay in, which they did with some of the rates. <clears throat> And they told me, basically, we don't need you. Have a nice day. So I just... So there was no incentive for you to stay. Like, they weren't giving you a pay incentive. Like, my friend just actually re-enlisted, and they gave him, like, five grand to re-enlist. Plus his normal pay. They were, uh... They offered money, yes. But it was so inconsequential that it, it was, like, a couple hundred dollars. Ah, so it wasn't worth It wasn't time. worth my staying, no. I got you, I got you. 
Okay, so, so, uh, any, any stories you could tell or anything funny happened in your career or, yeah, well, when, uh, when I was in A school, I was top of my class and, uh, I had garbage detail. And at the time, you have to type, I forget how many words per minute it is now, but I, I ended up cutting my hand and I couldn't type, so I fell from the head of the class to dang near the end of the class, and I'd almost got bounced into the class behind us because that's how bad it got, because I couldn't type until like the last two weeks of my A school, and that kind of messed my whole life up, yes. Okay, so what, let's pause that for a second. What is A school? Like I, I have no idea what that is. When the military trains you in a certain uh, field, they have different varieties of training. They have the general, which is the A school, where they teach you the basics to how to run everyday equipment, and how to send messages for my, I was a radio man. And then when you talk a C school, it's more like the mechanical end of it where you have to know how to fix stuff. Where A school is just basically using the stuff. Okay, okay. Um, where, where, where is, like some of the places you, you went all around the world, like on, on the boat, whatever. Where's somewhere if you could have like dipped out and not went back to command and lived somewhere? Like where would you, because like I said, you've seen so many places. Where If you could have went AWOL is the ter terminology and you could have picked a place to live anywhere in the world, where would you have went if you went AWOL? Well, if we're talking overseas, we're talking anywhere. That would be uh, Greece. At the time, back in the 80s, Greece was a hell of a place. Yeah, I'd still go visit Greece. I don't know if I'd live there, but I definitely would go visit. If you're talking the United States, I was kind of partial to uh, Groton, Connecticut when I was stationed up there. Connecticut's a nice state. It's expensive, though. Yeah, I had insurance. It was the uh, highest rated because I was up there so often. My Pennsylvania insurance agency decided to charge me the Connecticut rate, which was like big time compared to Pennsylvania. Okay, let, let's change change topics as we're dragging on here. Uh, again, thank you for your service. So after that, I remember moving down to where we live now. When I was like, I say four, mom says three. I think it was more four, she says three. Anyway, coming down here, you got a job working for the government again, but this time it was in as a, a correctional guard, as in a, a prison prison guard. Can you tell us about your experience? Funny stories, seriously stories. Uh, sketchy moments where you thought you something was gonna happen. 
just your experience in general, and would you uh, encourage somebody to go do that? Stories? Yeah, there's tons of stories. Uh, I have to generalize all of them. Uh, there's uh, particulars where I thought I was going to get my butt handed to me. There was times when I was helping an inmate who got his butt handed to him. Uh, there were times when I found stuff that was well hidden. There was times I found uh, homemade intoxicants. Uh, what, what do you mean by intoxicants? Well, what the inmates would do is they would take uh, some yeast and some fruit and potatoes maybe, and they would let it ferment and it would become jailhouse alcohol. So you're making alcohol, like... like I uh, wasn't making well, it. Not you, <laughs> not you, but they were making, excuse me, they were making alcohol basically. Yeah, the first batch I found, I found in the overhead in a mop closet, and it was close to three gallons. Now, my question is, would you try it? No. You wouldn't try it. Like If, if, you, if you saw met, how nasty that looked, you wouldn't try it. If you met, let's say, Dan, outside of, of the prison, like he was reformed outside, like he was wasn't like anything crazy we was in there for like, let's say like tax evasion and whatever and Ta Dan made it when he was in and he made it when he was out like the same way would you as you ran into Dan would you try his cleaner version of the jailhouse booze no. we'll call it booze no 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 I was in the backwoods of Tennessee and somebody offered me some moonshine Yes, but to have hooch, which is what they call it, no. I've seen how that stuff looks nasty, and I will never, ever try it. It stinks to high heaven. So, uh, what, what was your general experience on the whole being a prison guard? Because you did that for 20 years, too, if I remember correctly. 22 years. 20? Jeez. Oh, and six months. But other than that, I, I just stayed there a little bit. Just, just, With, uh, uh, just a quick, uh, yeah, stop and go. Just a quick stop and go. I always, when I did my job, I walked in, and this is gonna sound silly to some people, but I walked in as Mister. And when I got to the threshold to go into the prison, I was correctional officer. And it sounds elementary, but you have to put your mind in a state where on one side of the door, you're a civilian. And on the other side of the door, you are a correctional officer. And you have to distinguish between correctional officer and Mr. I'm on the street. Because it messes your mind. Okay, so let's put this in the layman's terms. So it's basically like turning the light on and turning the light off. When you get to the door, you're flipping the light on because now you're a correction officer. As you walk out the door, you turn your light off because now you're packed. True. 
Okay. Would you encourage anybody to join the Navy and or the, uh, what do you call it? The Correctional Officer, uh, BOP, Federal Prisoner of whatever, whatever it's called. Uh, the Navy, yes. BOP once upon a time, but not now. Why not now? Synthetic drugs are real bad. They, they turn somebody from a mild-mannered person to an idiot in pretty much like a heartbeat. Uh, when I was there, I treated everybody the same, whether you were a 60-year-old man, a 20-year-old kid, a uh, 40-year-old, uh, whatever, black, white, yellow, didn't matter. I acted, I expected you to act a certain way, and I, I made, made, uh, no bones about it if you acted up, I stepped in and, and corrected you and told you the error of your ways, and I never had a problem. I acted the same on day one as the last day. You have to be fair, consistent, and concise. You have to be that way all the time. When you walk in there, you have to be C.O. Pat every time. You can't be happy one day and, and downtrodden the next. You have to put out a facade that you are a person who is about the business. Okay. Now... You did 20 years in the federal, federal prison system. As a guard. Uh, yes, as a guard. As a correctional officer. And uh, why didn't you... Because you were in pretty good shape still at 55, 55 years old. I mean, hell, at 60-something, you're still in pretty good shape for your age. But, uh... It's 57 anyway, but okay. Whatever. Uh, why didn't you switch to, like, the county or state prison just to ride it out for a couple more years? Because I had enough. I, uh... See, the federal prison system has a, uh... several stops along the way when, when an inmate gets into the federal prison system, they start out a lot of times at a maximum facility. And they are taught and shown how to act, how to behave. And they realize that with proper behavior and stuff, they are downgraded to less of a more secure, less of a secure prison. So if, like, they start off with, uh, maximum security and they'll go to like a medium then after a while when they they do everything they're like supposed to they'll be downgraded into a, a smaller prison or a camp and then sometimes occupy out out the door you know when their sentence is over okay so you're saying like in basic terms you have to sit with the superintendent of a high school then the, then, the, then the principal, then the vice principal, then you get to go back to the lunchroom to eat your lunch. 
if you behave. Fine. That's one way to put it, yeah. Okay. Well, let, let's get off of that subject, because it's a little... It's a little touchy. Some people get upset about it. Some people don't. Some people want to hear about it. Um, so you you are correct me if I'm wrong. Sixty two years old. Correct. Okay, so that means forty years ago you were twenty two. Correct. How different is everything in this country from when you were twenty two to two thousand and twenty? People were not as touchy as they are today with feelings. Uh, people were able to speak their mind without uh, repercussions. Uh, people were, uh, you could speak your mind. I mean, you can't call someone down, period. But you were a lot, you could say things and people didn't have their feelings hurt so easily. Uh, if I called you a jerk, you know, you didn't like go to a corner and cry. You didn't need to have a little timeout area. You called, you I called space. you a jerk. You called me an idiot. And we, we got our grievances out and then we aired them and we moved on. People nowadays seem like they want to call a lawyer or hold a grudge forever and a day. And that's not how it should be. I know. I feel the same way. I feel like it should if it comes to, like, a punch, then I punch you, you punch me. We settle our differences and we go our own way. Now, I'm not talking about beating the crap out of each other and doing all that kind of crazy stuff. But sometimes a good thumping is what you need. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, how do you feel? What, but what, what are the, some of the main differences of, like, besides the, the feelings and... What are some of the main differences, like, over the decades? Like, yeah, from when you were 22 to 32 to 42, like... Well, it seemed you were able to uh, afford a lot more. Seems like housing's out of sight anymore. Uh, young people back then, if they wanted to work hard and, and actually go about business, could afford a house and... Uh, yeah, the housing prices today are outrageous. Food wasn't so bad. I mean, you used to be able to buy, uh, I don't mean to sound uh, like a country and western song, but you were able to buy bologna cheap, <laughs> and you were able to buy uh, food a lot cheaper. It seems like uh, the, the farmer, the poor farmer, he don't make much, but the middleman... He's uh, ripping the hell out of people, jacking the prices up. Yeah, yeah. When when a gallon of milk some was four dollars. Yep, and that farmer's only getting probably about a dollar, if that much. Right. Um. Yeah, they they definitely screw the farmer out of that and everything because. They can, I guess. I don't know, but there's no there's no reason why milk should be almost four four dollars a gallon here where we live. I'm sure in some places around the country, it's already over four dollars a gallon. Well, I remember as a kid when we went snowmobile riding, 
you'd get five gallons of gas and it was 35 cents a gallon. So that's uh, 35, uh, 70, a buck 40, a buck 75, got your five gallons of gas. I wish. Try and get five gallons of gas now for a buck 75. You can even get a gallon of gas for 250. I think the gas price right now at the gas station was uh two two forty four a gallon. Mm-hmm. Alright, well let's get on to a, a little touchier subject. Sex, drugs, and rock and roll. No, no, we're not talking about well, I better not say his name because who knows. So we'll uh not not say that that person's name because he'd probably sue me or something. No, no, not sex, drugs, and rock and roll. But, uh, the president, Mr. Trump, is he doing a good job? I or, think Donald J. is doing the best job he can. Or is it, is he doing a bad job? Well, if his party would work with him and uh, the Democrats would stop working against him, we'd be one hell of a country back again. We're a good country right now, but we need to learn to start playing with each other and... and not playing against each other. Yeah, we're all one team. But it seems like you're right that uh, they're they're trying to be opposite opposite each other. Like they're trying to block the ultimate goal of uniting the country. As in, not like the whole political. Freddie Gray, whatever the guy's name was, that I mean, like, like uh, law-wise, like the Democrats seem like they will put this law into effect only if they get a X, Y, and Z. When the Republicans just want to pass the uh, whatever bill, because it will make our country go in the right direction. I'm not gonna say better, but tend to to sway into the right. You, uh, you have to realize the Democrats and Republicans have been playing sides for Ever. longer than I am alive. Yeah, forever. There's always been somebody saying, hey, I'll do this if you do that. That's nothing new. But what they're doing now is they're doing everything it seems they can to screw Trump and the Republicans. And the Republicans are seeing, hey, maybe we don't want Trump. And they're not backing them the way they should. So I feel some days Donald J. is working uphill against the Republicans, his own party, and the Democrats. That's just my feelings. That's your opinion, and you are uh, allowed to have your opinion. Don't worry, no one's going to yell at you. Because because of your opinion. Um, do you want to bounce any questions off of me? Like, no, no. All right. Well, that was uh, that concludes the podcast. Thank you for listening. Have a good day.